Sam here. Just a quick note before we start that if you're listening on Spotify, the app has decided to block out any music in their podcast. So if there's large long gaps, that's why if you listen to other podcast providers, there will be none of those gaps. Oops, sorry about that. I accidentally flip reversed it. Welcome to the 2000s chart show. The 2000s chart show. The 2000s chart show. That's right, this is the podcast where every week we are celebrating the UK singles chart from 20 years ago. I am journalist and cheeky boy Samuel Spencer. And this week we are celebrating new releases from Goldfrap, Jet, Robin Williams, Kylie Minogue and Blazing Squad, whose flip reverse is everyone's favourite song about bumming a woman in a truck. Of course, if you have your own favourite song about a woman getting bummed in a truck, please get in touch. 11 new entries this week, including... Two truly cursed new entries that are going to be very difficult to talk about within this entertainment slash comedy format, but we will absolutely try our best. But for now, at number 40, in its 10th week in the chart, we are finally saying goodbye to our baby boy with you Big Brothers. Sorry, by the way, if saying the words, saying goodbye and big brothers is triggering for all the Trish fans out there. Although how many of them are left after the tweets emerged? I'm not sure, but sorry for re-traumatizing you guys. It's fine. The next song on this chart is perfect for your grief. One of the saddest songs ever recorded. A new entry at number 39, Hurt by Johnny Cash. There's a hole. The old familiar sting Try to kill it all away But I remember everything What have I become? My sweetest friend. As you may have noticed, we have little room for sincerity on this podcast, but I do have to say I think that genuinely think that song is one of the most heartbreaking songs ever recorded. Originally released by Nine Inch Nails in was recorded by Johnny Cash as part of his American Recordings, a series of albums towards the last years of his life in which he reinterpreted classic American songs from the last century. In a Song Exploder interview, Nine Inch Nails talked about how they wrote Hurt. What I was going through around the writing of Downward Spiral was not knowing who I was anymore. I'd seen myself as the kid in the bedroom listening to records. And... I wasn't sure who the guy on stage was. The band also had initially dismissed Johnny Cash's version as a gimmick. And then um, a couple weeks later, a CD shows up in the mail, and we listened to it, 
And, you know, it was very strange, you know, hearing his giant voice inhabiting the song that I wrote, you know, kind of taken over. But it was so weird at that moment that uh, I felt so wrong and I was deep into whatever I was working on at the time, Mm. compositionally, and I kind of dismissed it. However, Trent Reznor has eventually had to admit that maybe Johnny Cash did it better than he did saying in an interview, the song isn't mine anymore. He says, it was a good version and I certainly wasn't cringing or anything, but it felt like I was watching my girlfriend fuck somebody else. Now we know how Henry from Big Brother feels. Anyway, a few weeks later, the music video turned up at his house and he says, I popped the video in and wow, tears welling, silence, goosebumps. I just lost my girlfriend because that song isn't mine anymore. That music video, by the way, sees Johnny Cash a few months from the end of his life sitting among the crumbling ruins of a museum dedicated to his life and work. What more perfect metaphor is there for a music video? And not to jump ahead a little bit, but Enemy called Hurt the greatest music video of all time and the music video that I believe is the greatest music video of all time is a little bit further along this chart. So there's a little hint for you. That enemy accolade, though, is not the only one that Hurt got from music press. The BBC in 2014 called it the second greatest cover of all time. It was beaten by the Pet Shop Boys cover of Willie Nelson's Always On My Mind. Quite frankly, I call bullshit. I love the Pet Shop Boys as much as anyone, but come on. Also, Sinead O'Connor was right there. But certainly a lot of praise for this song, both at the time and later, although Johnny Cash would not be around to hear that later praise. He would die seven months after releasing her uh, due to complications from diabetes. Despite being a legend of country music, both in the UK and the US, he actually has a surprisingly short career on the UK Top 40. He only had six UK Top 40s, of which is this the last. His peak was a song called A Boy Named Sue, a number four hit in September 1969. Even classic The first songs you think of for Johnny Cash, stuff like Ring of Fire and I Walk the Line, wasn't released as a single. But he did do much better in those album charts with 25 top 40 albums beginning in 1966 and continuing to 2020, which is now 16 years after Johnny Cash died. Mind you, the Beatles are literally at number one right now, so who knows what's going on. Hurt by Johnny Cash there, getting into the top 40. Also... This was actually a double A side alongside his cover of Personal Jesus by Depeche Mode. Your own personal Jesus. Both of which are very likely to be making an appearance on my best of year special, which is coming at the end of this year. Get your angry tweets about what's been left off ready now. These next two positions in this chart, however, are two songs that could very easily make it into my best songs of the year. At 38, in its 15th week on the chart, the longest run of anything we'll be talking about today, Breathe, Blue Can Trail featuring Sean Paul. And at 37, in its fourth week, Sophie Ellis Bexter's Mixed Up World. At 36, meanwhile, we have a song that I'm sorry, Ashanti fans, is not going to be getting anywhere near a top 40 special. At 36, on its third week, Rain On Me by Ashanti. I don't wanna live, I don't wanna be 
actually tried to speed through what is usually, let's be honest, the dregs of the chart. But at 35, we have Sweet Dreams My LAX by Rachel Stevens. course every pop fan knows the iconic story about this we've talked about it in the past was that it was written by kathy dennis for britney spears who turned it down due to it being too personal what with it being basically written as a reply to crimea river but this is far from the only song that britney spears turned down so i thought it was worth briefly talking about some of the others in 2008 for example britney spears turned down telephone by lady gaga Lady Gaga had originally written that for her alongside a song called Quicksand, which she did release as a bonus track to Circus. And mm, let's just say she picked the wrong one of those two to record. But apparently she only turned Telephone down because she already had a song on the album Circus called Phonography. So she did have to turn down Telephone, which of course eventually got to number one in the UK after it was released by Lady Gaga featuring Beyonce. Even after Britney turned it down, though, there was plans to release it as a duet with Lady Gaga. But due to a fight between their respective managements about whose album it would feature on, we never got to hear it. But Rachel Stevens was not the only British artist to benefit from Britney Spears turning down a song. Apparently she also turned down the classic Girls Aloud album track, Graffiti My Soul. According to Brian Higgins of Xenomania, Girls Aloud's incredible production team, the record company loved it, but Britney's people said, where's the chorus? Why are there no repetitive parts? Fundamentally misunderstanding what's good about Xenomania there. Although apparently Cheryl has said that she has heard Britney's version and it was strange and she sang it in that really strange voice and it freaked me out. Although obviously she said it in a Geordie accent, so it would be like, why I man in that really strange... No, never mind. Another song Britney turned down, Milkshake by Khalees. It was offered to Britney when the Neptunes were working with her for songs like I'm a Slave for You and Boys. But it ended up going to Khalees, whose version of it will be coming up very soon on this podcast. Kylie has also been someone who benefited from Britney turning down some songs. I've heard some rumours that she was offered Can't Get You Out of My Head, but she certainly was offered the song Speakerphone and Nudity, which are on Kylie's best album, Don't At Me, X. But it did work both ways because also Kylie turned down Toxic. So who got the better deal? Can't say. And one last track to point out that became a huge hit after Britney turned it down was Umbrella by Rihanna. It was intended on a as a comeback single for her after her noted paparazzi troubles. Apparently it was rejected without Britney even hearing it. And then Mary J. Blige passed on it. And so it ended up going to Rihanna and becoming the longest running number one of the 2000s, which I'm kind of dreading talking about in a few years, just thinking about seven weeks worth of stuff to talk about with Umbrella might be tricky. So there we go. That is a little insight into the inner workings of 2003 pop. And what else are we here to do? Well, we are here to talk about a new entry at 34 now, Rollover DJ by Jet.
talked about Jet briefly when their song Are You Gonna Be My Girl came out earlier this year. And what I have noticed in, since doing research about the band is that they basically are one of the big punchlines of 2003 in the kind of more serious music magazines like Q or Enemy. And so at first I'm like, oh, I think they're being a little bit unfairly treated. You know, Are You Gonna Be My Girl is a pretty good song. But then I read an interview with them in Enemy and I was like, oh no, they deserve all the abuse that they get. I mean, first of all, before we even get to this interview, there's the title, Rollover DJ. They are obviously referencing the Beatles song, Rollover Beethoven. But to me, it reminds me of those rollover hot dogs that you get in, like, cheap cinemas. Which actually makes a lot of sense for Jet, because uh, the thing about the difference between Jet and rollover hot dogs is one is a disgusting mess of undigestible offal, and the other one is a sausage of some kind. Ha ha. So, but to this interview, apparently it begins, the interviewer comes to the cabin they're staying at in the American wilderness and one of them is firing fireworks from a makeshift plastic rocket launcher. So already I'm like not the kind of people that I would like to hang around with. In this interview Enemy gets the digs in straight away after that memorable opening describing drummer Chris Sester's hair as the only 21 year old with the hair of a 40 year old tramp on smack. See previous episodes for many rants about why it's a shame that we don't have music journalism like this anymore. Nick Sester, the singer of the band, gets described as a heavily liposuction Sean Ryder. So the insults keep coming. So at this time, Jet are in on their American tour and they really do give you a sense of what it's like to go through these small towns in America in 2003. Apparently one of their members was wolf whistled at a Wyoming truck stop, stared down in a Toronto bar and he had his pint poured in his lap by someone in Vancouver. So small town America and Canada, not very hospitable to Jet. Apparently that last incident led to a massive fight. So yeah, currently Jet spending their time firing fireworks and causing trouble throughout the US and Canada. Very different from like following Atomic Kitten on the road. But this piece isn't just an attack on Jet and their appearances. It really does sum up the good, the bad and the ugly of this band which a good music piece should do. So let's start with the good. They talk about how one of the members lost their father to cancer at an early age, leading him to use music to, quote, connect with his father's memory, which is quite a nice little anecdote. They also talk about how they wrote a song for the brother that one of them had who died before they were born. So that, you know, they're doing quite touching family tributes on their album, but also these songs, and here is the bad, sit alongside songs with titles like Cold Hard Bitch. Apparently that includes the lyric... A kiss on the lips, but I was on my knees. To which Chris Sester says, If you want me to fucking spell it out, I will. It's about oral sex, and that's all it's about. It's about a guy giving head to a girl in a way that makes the guy look like the one being dominated. Don't you think bitch is an inappropriate word? Any person that thinks that that's a degrading term probably uses the word bitch 20 times a day, so I don't give a shit. So lovely little bit of misogyny there. And then if that wasn't bad enough, apparently the enemy writer says that they use the the N-word openly um, as a protest about the fact that rap artists are allowed to say and they aren't. So that's the really ugly. Despite all this, they have not been cancelled into oblivion for casually using the N-word, according to this enemy journalist. In fact, in 2023, they were inducted into the ARIA Hall of Fame, the Australian equivalent of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So I guess good for Jet, although Australia may have a lack of candidates to enter into the Hall of Fame, seeing as they haven't actually inducted anyone since 2020. And in general, the ARIA Hall of Fame is quite a bizarre list. For example, Olivia Newton-John got in there five years before Nick Cave, kind of the wrong way round. But we can't totally criticise them because sometimes they would do amazing things. Like in 2011, they inducted the two nominees together of Carly Minogue, and the Wiggles. Imagine that after party. Things got pretty messy, I would say. By the way, apparently, 
in researching this, I found out that Kylie Minogue is known as the honorary Pink Wiggle because of a song she recorded with them in 2009 called Monkey Man. I mean, honorary Pink Wiggle does sound like a uh, euphemism for uh, I don't even know, but that is nevertheless her official Wiggle name. So I'm so glad that Kylie and the Wiggles could bond, just like I hoped that Tamia and Fabulous could bond when they had to quickly replace the vocals that Ashanti had originally provided on Into You. By the way, if you want to hear the Ashanti singing the same part of the song, here you go. Compare and contrast. I'm so into you. Thirty-two now. I'm sorry to trigger you again, but it's a big sports song. Skip ahead thirty seconds if you don't want to hear. In its second week down from twenty-three, UB40 and United Colors of Sound with Swing Low. gaze traumatized by any reference to sport i'm with you and i've got you because this next song is a camp classic that if you don't already love you need to get into 31 a new entry from goldfrat with twist One of the most graphic rhymes in pop music in this song. It says, put your dirty angel face between my legs and Nicolas. Then later on, don't buy me candy floss or bears, Swarfiga fingers, I want you there. Swarfiga apparently being a type of hand wash. So basically she wants you to be hygienic and wash your hands, but then to finger her vigorously. So good for Alison Goldfrapp. Although when she says twist it round again and again, quite what she's talking about i'm not sure enemy said of this song twist ushers us back into her luxurious boudoir for a frosty bump and grind session with her faithful werewolf sex butlers but much as we'd like to see her teach young obi trice a bit of respect you can't help feeling that Goldfrapp's wearying of all this dissolute robo erotica by now we know we are i'm certainly not and after this they would release a second album of robo erotica called supernature which is among the best albums of the decade so with respect Shut the fuck up, Enemy. The reference to Obi Trice, I think, by the way, is because in Enemy, they all the singles that aren't like the single of the week, they round up in one big article. So they must have, they mentioned him earlier and his uh, disrespectful lyrics to women where he says that, basically there's many misogynist things which you can listen to when we talked about him 
for the first time three weeks ago. Alison Goldfrapp, the lead singer of Goldfrapp. Amazingly, Alison Goldfrapp is her real name, which is incredible. With a name like that, you're destined to be a pop star. She always seems very kind of chill and spaced out in interviews, but that certainly was not always the case. Interviews at this time, she was a very fascinating creature. According to The Guardian, whenever a journalist is within earshot, she embarks on a single-minded mission to appear as rude and conceited as possible. And during a 2001 concert, she apparently punched a photographer. Before that, she'd had a childhood that took in getting expelled from a convent school, sniffing glue and stealing cars. All of my three favourite things. Asked how she went from being a convent school girl to a glue sniffer, she just said, you just do, don't you? Your brain just clicks into another gear. Not a gear that my brain's ever particularly clicked into. Although there were some very good glue sticks in our secondary school that kind of smelt of lemon iced tea, which definitely could have got me into glue sniffing. I also just love that they straight out call her rude and conceited. If I did that in any of the articles that I write for my day job, I'd have 12 PRs doing a blood sacrifice of me. So again, very nostalgic for that time. Before joining Goldfrap, she had a short career as a performance artist. One piece she did saw her sitting in a window all day in Antwerp's red light district, sitting on a revolving stool, revolving and singing. Apparently this was very irritating for the punters, but the prostitutes liked it. Then for another performance piece, apparently she milked a cow while yodelling. So definitely got a lot of things to fall back on if the pop career didn't work, but luckily it did. Uh, The album that Twist is from, Black Cherry, would go to 19 and stay on the chart for 42 weeks and then from then all of her studio albums with Goldfrapp would make the top 10. Although they do, I think for people who were, for someone who was making like amazing music at this time, they were very underrated by the single buying public with this song only in the early 30s. Maybe a little bit before their time because, you know, certainly there's a lot of the post Lady Gaga electro pop revival in this song. Although they will go on to have three UK top 10 singles with Ooh La La, Number One and A&E. So we'll get to talk about Golf Rap, one of my favourite bands, a little bit more as this podcast goes on. But we unfortunately now have have to go on number 30 down for 22 in its third week ooh wee by mark ronson rocking the show special guest star mark bronson first 500 bitches went crazy when he let they answer and all he did was plug me in i got the charge and got they bras and ran through they whole department We there, not explaining that, takes us to our next new entry at number 29, 100 Reasons, The Great Test. The great test is sitting through that song from 100 Reasons, an alternative rock band from Aldershot, the great home of all independent rock. We've talked a lot on this podcast about the middle of the road indie slash pre-emo bands of this time, but few of them have made less of a dent than 100 Reasons. Let's Just to put it into comparison for you, so the last new entry on this chart this week, Train by Goldfrapp, has 1.2 million views on YouTube, whereas this song has 3,400 views very much 
the epitome of forgotten. But luckily I am here to reignite interest in 100 Reasons, who apparently took their name from a poster promoting roller skating. Drummer Andy Buse saw a poster at the Extreme Sports Company where he was working at the time. He said, we fought 100 something or something 100 was cool and the poster was 1000 Reasons Why You Should Learn to Skate. So we meshed the two together. And so now, of course, I've got no choice but to spend the next hour listing a thousand reasons why you should skate. Number one, Starlight Express. Number two, not having to tell your parents you're gay. Okay, that's it. That's all we're going to do. Don't worry. This is the last single from their terribly titled album, Shatterproof is not a challenge. Now that's really what it's called. And the lack of success for this song meant that the band was dropped by Columbia Records. Although the band had already been having problems with their label before that, their guitarist Larry Hibbett said, there are a lot of things that are wrong with the album. A lot of it was to do with the fact that we had absolutely no working relationship with the label by the time it came out. Meanwhile, their other guitarist said, With this album, we were so keen to move forward, we never really focused on the things we got right. And listening to it, I would say that is a good assessment of their own talents. This is the first single from their album, Shatterproof is Not a Challenge. They'd had three UK Top 40s before that. Their first two tracks, If I Could and Silver, got to number 19 and number 15. And then their third single from their album, Ideas Above Our Station, was called Falter, hilariously, and it ended up as a self fulfilling prophecy because their career took a falter at that point with that song only getting to number 38 so the the great test certainly an improvement on 38 but not reaching their previous heights they will have just one more uk top 40 so gird your loins for that and gird your loins for beyonce and sean paul our second baby boy on this week's top 40 20 years ago that is in its fifth week down from 21 so not matching the success of her song Crazy in Love, which at this point was still in the top 10. Talking about someone not being able to match the success of their huge first single in its second week down from 19, falling out of the chart very quickly. Wayne Wonder, more like Wayne <laughs> Mediocrity in this case, with Bounce Along. bounce along to our next new entry at number 26 the wild hearts with top of the world Sadly, Top of the World doesn't have single art to match the former release from The Wild Hearts, which was their song So Into You, which featured, this was quite early in our podcast life, so you may have missed it, but it featured, and search this if you're not in your workplace, an x-ray of someone giving a guy a blowjob, one of the most brilliantly stupid 
single covers of all time, but this is a band who very much loves beautifully stupid decisions. For example, on this single, the B-side, for some reason, is the theme tune to the classic 90s comedy, Cheers. This song might be called Top of the World, but the band certainly did not feel top of the world at this point. Their Wikipedia has the great line, they had a number of top 10 albums in Britain, though they also faced difficulties with record companies and many internal problems often relating to drugs and depression. At this point, one of their members had already had to leave the band due to heroin addiction. They came back in 2002, but then had to go to rehab for alcohol addiction, of which all of this was still raging while they were releasing this series of songs in 2003. Making it somewhat ironic, in April 1996, they released a song called Sick of Drugs. Not quite sick enough at that point, maybe. But seriously, we hope that the bassist of the Wild Hearts managed to sort his life out after this tumultuous 2000s and hope that they've continued to have a career, despite the fact that this is the last of their 13 UK Top 40s, a band who'd managed to get get a baker's dozen of UK Top 40s without getting a Top 10 single. The same thing that we noted about Super Furry Animals a few weeks ago, the band with the most UK Top 40s without a Top 10 hit. So this is the last of the Wild Hearts UK Top 40s, so you could almost say, ha ha, that they are so yesterday, and would you believe it, at 25, Hilary Duff, so yesterday, down from 13 in its third week. this was a fair and just world, so yesterday would be as iconic a gay sing-along as unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield. But unfortunately, that has not been the case, although it's not too late for you gays out there to make it so. At 24, we love a flop boy band here at the 2000s chart show. And we do have a flop boy band here because Hold On Me by Fix was at number 10 last week and is now falling to number 24. Not a great result for the band that was the members who didn't get into One True Voice. Probably all you need to say as to why Fix didn't succeed. You know, if One True Voice were the people who made it, God knows who the people who didn't quite get there were like. Then you bleed into my mind Send my heart's defenses down and I know the temptation's just too strong Can't let go, cause I'm weak To the taste of your seduction Yeah, 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 you really gotta hold on me This is also true to the extent that just beating them in the chart at number 23 is a notorious flop from that's been on the chart a week longer than Fix. There's got to be more to life by Stacey Orico. Talk about songs that deserve to be iconic gay sing-alongs, by the way. of sing-alongs let me play you this this is a clip that my mother sent me of the next artist on our chart performing at the prestigious bristol hippodrome (laughs) 
That is the sound of Matt Goss doing a swing version of his song, When Will I Be Famous? And here he is with his new entry on this chart, I'm Coming With Ya. younger viewers at this point may be thinking who the hell is Matt Goss fantastic question some of you may remember him when he was eliminated third on the 2022 season of Strictly Come Dancing but before that he was the lead singer of the 80s band Bross which also featured his twin brother Luke as its drummer quite why we call them Bross when they are actual bros I don't know but we do and Bross kind of an a forgotten band of the 80s I think we don't talk about them among the kind of classic 80s bands Duran Duran or the Eurythmics or anything like that but at their time they were pretty much the biggest thing in Britain. They managed 10 UK top 40s between 1987 and 1989, getting to number one with their song I Owe You Nothing, which doesn't sound like much, but they were a genuine cultural phenomenon around that time, with the music press calling it Brosmania and their many legions of teenage girl fans being known as the Brossettes. I'm sure I've now, I'm about to insert some sort of archive footage of girls losing their shit at Bros. We know them, and if you knew them, I don't know, they're just the nicest people I know anyway. The excitement of it, (laughs) meeting people, going, following them, seeing them. The longest I've ever waited outside somewhere or waited for them is about 12, 15 hours. When they appeared for a performance at HMV in Oxford Street in September 1988, for example, the police actually had to close off the road because so many fans came and they had at their peak six million fans in their fan club, which was known as the Bross Front. However, this fame was very fleeting and by the 90s, they were pretty much a joke. Not helped by the fact that they give some of the most hilariously brain dead quotes of all time. Letters H-O-M-E are so important because... They personify the word home. I don't allow arguments in this house. You know, if you want to argue in this house, you've got to leave. I made a conscious decision because of Stevie Wonder to not be superstitious. So you know, once bitten, twice shy. 20 times bitten, a little shy. If you haven't seen the documentary Bross When the Screaming Stops, you need to see it. It is one of the most unintentionally hilarious music documentaries of all time. Since Bross broke up, each of the members have followed their own path. Matt Goss continued to make it as a singer. He ended up doing a swing-themed Las Vegas show, of which the clip that I played earlier was from the British version of that tour. And if that's anything like the show is. I'm glad I've never seen it. The funny thing about that clip is my mum sent to me being like, oh, he was so good. Here is an example of how good he was. Um, I'm sitting there with my friends being like, this might be the most humiliating video clip I've ever seen. I think the funny thing about the Goss brothers is they just have no indication of their own like lack of stardom. So on Matt Goss's Wikipedia page, it says, for example, Goss expressed an interest in collaborating with Adele 
I'd love to sing with Adele, and I think we gel really well together. We're both Londoners, which really appeals to me. Babe, she's Adele, and you're like basically a one-hit wonder from the 80s. Also, the first sentence of his personal life section is just, Goss is an avid runner. Doesn't need to be on his Wikipedia page. As I've said before, the only reason that anyone needs a personal life section is if they're gay. As for Luke Goss, by the way, he became an actor, appearing as the villain in Hellboy 2 The Golden Army, and appearing apparently in the movie version of Tekken, which I didn't even know existed. The last film that anyone might have seen him in, I think, although very unlikely, is a 2020 Christmas romantic comedy called The Loss Adjuster, which has an incredible, bizarre cast. Luke Goss is the lead. The love interest is Kim Marsh. And also starring it is Martin Kemp, him off Spandau Ballet, and Joan Collins for some reason. So I know that's jumped the top of everyone's Christmas viewing list there. I know it has on mine. At 21 now, a song that has got weird art house cachet this week. Can't believe I'm saying this. So the song is PIMP by 50 Cent, which I saw the film Anatomy of a Fall in the cinema this weekend. The Palm Door winning French thriller about a court case around someone who maybe who fell out of a window. But one of the big plot points in this film is the wife gets really furious at him because he's playing an instrumental version of the song PIMP by 50 Cent, leading the characters to have to say in a very serious court case in French, C'est la chanson PIMP par 50 Cent. Absurd. I don't know what you heard about me But a bitch can't get a dollar out of me No Cadillac, no perms, you can't see Then I'm a motherfucking P.I.M.P. I don't know what you heard about me But a bitch can't get a dollar out of me No Cadillac, no perms, you can't see Art House Queen, 50 Cent, taking us into the top 20 and the perfect time to talk about some of the songs that are fighting out to be number one this week. Last week's number one was Be Faithful by Fat Man Scoop and the Crooklyn Clan. That had had two weeks at number one, but its sales last week were respectable, but certainly there is room for a big hitter to come in and challenge it for number one. And in fact, we have 10 big hitters working together. Freak, Rocky B, Melody, Spikey, Kenzie, Reaper, Crazy, Flavor, Tommy B and Strider. <laughs> yes, I can remember all those from memory because this week challenging Be Faithful for number one, Flip Reverse by Blazing Squad. Blazing Squad at this point had had one number one single with their song Crossroads reaching the top spot in August 2002. Since then, they released Love on the Line, a terrible song that got to number six in November 2002. Reminisce, underrated, number, that got to number eight in February 2003. And then We Just Be Dreaming, which we talked about on the show in July, that got to number three. So they will be hoping to get a second number one with their ode to anal sex in heavy goods vehicles. What else would be the perfect topic for a number one single? Well, I'll tell you what, going slow, because also trying to get that number one single. Yeah. This week is Kylie Minogue with no arguments. I will not hear any arguments. Her best song. Big expectations for this song. This is, of course, the lead single for her album, Body Language. Her previous two lead singles for an album, Spinning Around and Can't Get You Out of My Head, have both gone to number one. So she will be very much hoping to match that with this new single. She's inviting us to read her body language but is she speaking the right language to chart lovers in 2003? We'll find out at the end of this episode. But let's not also count out from the top 10 Robbie Williams with his song Sexed Up. Sexed up. Robbie Williams in 2023, of course, when I'm recording this, has just released his Netflix four-part documentary. We can talk a lot more about that 
later because there's some absolutely fantastic clips I can't wait to share with you. This is the fourth single from his album Escapology, one of the biggest selling albums of 2002 and 2003, but the album has yet to have a number one hit yet. Feel got to number four, December 2002, Come Undone, one of the first songs we talked about on this podcast. That also got to number four, Something Beautiful, got to number three in August and so will he be able to make it with the last track he will release from this album it seems unlikely if none of those other songs could manage it I don't know why the last single would but stranger things have happened so all of those songs as well as two truly cursed songs that I'm terrified are coming ever closer are coming very soon in the chart but now let's get into the top 20 with at 20 Obi Trice with got some tea to the side and invited the cheers pull up a chair nigga swear no drama prepare for a player who working with a monster I ain't got time to waste let's vacate the place shed blinds and drapes grind to your face in the grimy state concentrate you will find that you're bound to gain what we found was fake we can watch two incredible mates masturbate why settle away let's escalate to the nearest super eight to your rivers on the mirrors and it's mirroring booty cheeks come on this is my favorite song Obi Trice may have got some teeth but his chart run there seeming a little bit toothless basically dropping out to top 20 after three weeks the same cannot be said for number 19 and I have a huge revelation about this band after we hear at number 19 in its seventh week up one from 20 I believe in a thing called love by the darkness darkness in the chart there for nearly two months and I was thinking about that and I was thinking about the first time we talked about them seven weeks ago and I thought "Mm, I think we only really scratched the surface we're such a massive band in 2003 and we only kind of briefly went through the song that there must be some more stuff we can get into and oh was there so i listened to an interview that justin hawkins did on the frank skinner show first of all he answers the question that everyone was asking in 2003 how seriously we should take the darkness it's a thing that people always say about and you're probably slightly sick of hearing it but this thing about that you don't people don't feel you take the music seriously enough and you seem to be just I think pissing pe- about. Pe- well, <laughs> yeah. there, are, there are folk in bands who kind of take themselves really seriously. They climb right up their own assholes and they become really dour folk who, who make tepid music. And that's not what we want to do. We want to sort of divide people and be bombastic and kind of be right in your face and have as much fun as possible doing it. Yeah. And in fact, so few people were taking them seriously at the time that they actually funded their album Permission to Land themselves. They didn't have a record label to do it just because they believed in their vision so much. So that's all very admirable, believing in your art so much that you fund it yourself and then obviously you reap all the rewards. That's all great. But then I found out exactly how he funded the advert, which was by writing advertising jingles. So in this Frank Skinner interview, we get to hear a little IKEA jingle that he wrote. I understand that your job at the time was you wrote jingles for adverts and things. Yeah, that's, well, that's how he funded it. I mean, I, I did Ikea, Mars Bars, Tango, HSBC, Popstars, the first series. The, the, now, I've, I've got the Ikea jingle that you wrote. Mm-hmm. Are you singing on this as well? This is the schlomping one. Yeah. You are? <laughs> yeah. Oh, OK. <laughs> well, this is, this is the um, Ikea schlomping advert. 
Schlumpen ist für you. Schlumpen ist für me. We're a schlump, be at one with the gravity. Oh. It takes the heat of the spine and the pleasure is all mine. Do less rigidity. A little more recline. Starts with an S, ends in a D. Some of our listeners may remember that from 2003. To me, it's got nothing on ooh, ooh, the Ikea sale. Ooh, ooh, the Ikea sale. The Ikea sale. if we're talking about iconic Ikea jingles, but all of this pales in comparison to perhaps Justin Hawkins's finest work as a songwriter. Not I Believe in a Thing Called Love, not Christmas Time Don't Let the Bells End, but he was the person behind this jingle. That's right, Justin Hawkins wrote Washing Machines Live Longer with Calgon. As such, he will forever be a hero of mine. And an iconic song is in our midst here, reaching four weeks on the chart, so a month at number 18 down from 15, the finest Spice Girl solo song. Again, don't at me. Emma Bunton with Maybe. that song into my veins. I'm glad that I was able just to play one of my favourite songs because we are entering into the cursed section of this chart. These next two new entries are tough, but we're just going to mention them and move on. So at number 17, a new entry from Lost Profits with Burn Burn. I don't want to get into the Lost Profits story now because honestly, I don't know how you have fun and make jokes after talking about it. But let's just say their singer, one of the most shocking and deplorable falls from grace that any performer has ever had. And this is just the second of 11 UK Top 40s they have. So a few dark times ahead there, which is bad news for us and bad news for Ian H. Watkins, aka H from Steps, who who continually gets hate mail for this singer because they have the same name, Poor H. So moving on from that, at number 16, in its 10th week on the chart, so a huge hit, up from 18, White Flag by Dido. one of the constant refrains of this podcast is how journalism has been in decline although later I may be able to present you the future of journalism so all is not lost but certainly I found an interview that Dido did with HuffPo Live this week and one of the worst interviews I've ever seen in terms of questions asked. So the interviewer says that there's a really profound and moving lyric in one of Dido's songs and you're like, oh yeah, okay, what is that? And there's the, the song White Flag, which we all know, and there's that lyric that I would fixate on and often did as uh, when I was growing up in Egypt, I told you I used to watch that all the time. The line is, I'm in love and always will be. Now maybe as a kid I used to watch thinking maybe she's talking about me, who knows? But of course I was talking of about course you. Yeah. The truth comes out, the BBC should publish it. She was talking about me, no. Yeah. 
<laughs> so who's that about? That was about, um, at the time, my ex, uh, fiance actually, and um, many, many years ago, and, and we broke up, and that was, you know, classic heartbreak song, and, and, uh, and you know, I really, really meant it at the time. I'm in love and always will be. Like, what, so the most generic statement that's ever been in a pop song then? Right. He then kind of asked her, what's, what does she mean by that line? It's like, hmm, I don't know what she means by I'm in love and always will be. What a mystery. It could mean that she's in love and she always will be. Although then in the, <laughs> the end of the interview, she's like, well, I don't really feel that anymore. And you're like, well, you said you always will be. So you kind of have to, babe. There we go. Sorry to the Huffington Post. They employ one of my good friends. I do respect them somewhat. And I also respect the incredible singles work of Liberty X. Although Jump In may not be one of their best songs, if we're honest. It's no being nobody. But it is in its third week at number 15, down from nine. Number 14, our next new entry continues the cursed theme because it is R. Kelly with Step in the Name of Love slash Thoya Thong. Of course, since 2003, R. Kelly has been sentenced to 30 years in federal prison for sex trafficking and racketeering charges. At time of recording, it's just been announced that he is suing the police for leaking his private information to a vlogger after a YouTuber released a number of videos in which she shares salacious information about R. Kelly, including his recorded phone calls, emails and visitor logs. So that's what's going on with him. Seven more UK Top 40s of his that we're going to have to ignore over the course of the decade. But ignore them, we will, and we will instead come to number 13 in its eighth week on the chart, another huge hit, Superstar by Jamelia. Researching Kylie Minogue's Slow, I came across an interview with the songwriter Emiliana Torini, who wrote Slow. And in an interview, she says that she is convinced that Kylie's people got in contact with her because they wanted Jamelia, but they were misheard. And so they went to Emiliana Torini. It's probably just a self-deprecating joke on her half. But I do like the idea of Kylie wanting to work with Jamelia. I just like it when my pop stars get along, you know. But for now, we are nearly at this week's top 10. Very exciting. Still to come. New entries. Blazing Squad, Kylie Minogue and Robbie Williams all trying to prevent Fat Man Scoop from getting a third week at number one. But first, here are two songs that just missed the top 10 at 12 in its second week down from eight. State of Mind by Holly Valance and Staying Firm at 11 in its second week, Angel City with Love Me Right. All I need is to breathe. All I need 
so that is us at the top 10 still to come songs from atomic kitten black eyed peas blue blazing squad fat man scoop kevin little kylie minogue pink Robbie Williams and the Sugar Babes. Just me casually putting those in alphabetical order in my head. Who says I have no talent? Certainly someone we would never accuse of being talentless is at number 10. Probably a disappointing chart placement for Robbie Williams with Sex this is a disappointing chart placement but it's not that disappointing seeing as Robbie basically refused to promote this song properly when Robbie's last song Something Beautiful got to number three earlier in the year we talked about how he refused to play it on his Nebworth set despite the fact that his Nebworth set was literally the weekend that that song came out so really self-sabotaging. In his first autobiography feel, it was also revealed that at that time, he not only refused to do something beautiful, but also sexed up. So just completely refusing to play any of the actual singles that he was soon to put out. It kind of tells you two things about Robbie Williams at the time. One, he had more power than any other British artist. He had just signed the what is still the biggest business deal in the, mu- in the British music industry when he signed to EMI for £80 million. But also how he was totally self-destructive. And this is something that really comes across in the Robbie Williams documentary that came out on Netflix the week that we're recording this. I've seen a lot of people have quite a negative reception to this documentary. I talked about it in a meeting at work and someone was like, oh, Robbie Williams talking, watching his laptop for an hour, yawn. To which I said, I'm sorry, if you aren't the kind of person who is fascinated by watching Robbie Williams on holiday with Jerry Halliwell, then we're just not going to get along. We're just completely different people. I'm only one and a half episodes in, so we'll talk more about the documentary as I go through it. I'm sure there's going to be many more amazing moments, but there are two that I would like to highlight this week. The first one, of course, is Jerry Halliwell throwing shade at Victoria Beckham. We're on holiday here in the Costa Brava. <laughs> uh, we like, what music do we like? We like Venga Boys. We, we like the Venga Boys. Also, I like, um, I like Victoria Beckham's new song. Do you? Yeah. Because uh, this track's going to punish you. My hairdo will punish you. My hairdo will punish you. <laughs> <laughs> And the second is a moment in which Robbie Williams' daughter proves that she is the future of music journalism because she is willing to ask the tough questions. Hi, Daddy. Talking about the, the band I used to be in. Yes. Question? Yes. Who did you hate the most and why? But let's talk about Sexed Up a little bit. Apparently it was originally written for Natalie Imbruglia, weirdly, although she would turn it down. His last single, Something Beautiful, was also written for Tom Jones. So quite why, when he's just signed the biggest music deal of all time, he felt the need to write these songs for other artists, I don't know, but he did. By the way, I tried to search for more confirmation that this song was originally written for Natalie Imbruglia. So I searched Natalie Imbruglia turned down, and it came up with this little news story. Natalie Imbruglia turned down by Brandon Flowers. For shame, Natalie Imbruglia was spotted at the Brit Awards making a pass at Killers frontman Brandon Flowers. Perhaps the Australian singer, who is best known for her hit song Torn, didn't know that he is married. Surely it could not have been her attention to tear up a marriage. So there we go, Natalie Imbruglia trying to get busy with the famously Mormon Brandon Flowers from the Killers. Not on topic here, just interesting. But Sexed Up, originally released as a B-side in 1998, the B-side to the song No Regrets. Honesty, why don't we break? 
but now revamped for this fourth single from Robbie Williams' album Escapology. His first album, incidentally, to not have any number one singles on it, so although he's still the biggest artist in Britain at this time, maybe a sign that the wheels are starting to come off a little bit. Another sign that things may be about to take a bad turn on the Robbie Williams front is also that this is the last single that he worked on with his initial collaborator Guy Chambers, a big part of the Netflix documentary. He produced all of the Robbie Williams albums up to this point and of course is on that holiday with Jerry and Robbie. But this is the last of Robbie's singles that he will be a part of for 10 years. Apparently the problems between them began with the song Come Undone, the second release from Escapology and a song we talked about near the beginning of this podcast run. Apparently, Williams took the song to Guy and he said, hmm, it's not very good. And I'm like, oh, we've got a problem. This is a problem. Then Robbie wants to change the lyrics and Chambers says no to him because they've already got a choir to sing the song. Kind of another insight to how Robbie was such a massive star. They're like, no, we've already hired a like massive choir to sing this song and now you want to change it? Absolutely not. The So they actually stopped working together in 2002. They're obviously the song, their songs that they worked on together are still being released at this point. At the time, Chambers released a statement that said, Guy has decided to work with other people and on other projects. He feels he cannot commit to working exclusively with Robbie. After six years and five albums, he feels it is time to move on. There have been also other speculations about why the pair stopped working together. The book about Robbie Williams that I mentioned earlier said that Chambers asked for an increase of the profits. Other people have speculated that Robbie might have been angry because Guy wanted to work with his former bandmate and at the time rival Gary Barlow. As ever, those rumours remain unsubstantiated though it must be noted for legal reasons. So after this, Robbie starts working with Stephen Duffy and honestly I have to say I actually prefer his work with Duffy rather than Chambers. I think Robbie gets a little bit more unhinged in his music after this, which I quite like. His next single, Radio, I think is maybe his best song, in my opinion, and that is completely mad. And then he obviously goes on to the Rudebox album, which I think is a secret masterpiece. But all that is to come for now. Robbie Williams is at number 10, which means that only Blazing Squad and Kylie are left challenging for that number one spot. And I can reveal that both of them are in the top five because at nine, we have Trouble by Pink. That's down from seven in its second week. At eight, Hole in the Head is down from six in its fourth week. At seven, Guilty by Blue, down from five in its third. At six, If You Come To Me by Atomic Kitten, it's down from three. And a former number one, Black Eyed Peas, Where Is The Love, is in its 12th week in the chart and still hasn't gone out of the top five. So amazing work from the Black Eyed Peas, which is never... A sentence I thought I would say. So you facts about those songs we've just talked about the song guilty by blue talking about gary barlow was actually written by gary alongside duncan james from the band and elliot kennedy the man 
behind a lot of the Spice Girls' biggest songs. At this point, Take That's big reunion is just a glimmer in Gary Barlow's eyes that he is making money by being a songwriter for hire. Among the other songs that he wrote around this time are a number of songs for Delta Goodrum, including Not Me, Not I, a song that's going to get to number 18 on the singles charts very soon. He also wrote songs for Donny Osmond, Atomic Kitten, Agnetha Falk song from ABBA, Charlotte Church, and T-Pain for some reason, although I think that might be because they sampled a Take That song. Although quite why he did that, I don't know either. As for Where Is The Love by the Black Eyed Peas, it is the biggest selling song of 2003, but only the 25th biggest selling single of the 2000s in the UK. That is, of course, one of the big facts about 2003, that it was the first year of the decade to not feature a song that sold a million copies. Although the Black Eyed Peas terrible song, I Got a Feeling, has sold a million copies, 1.5 million copies specifically. But the biggest selling song of the 2000s is Anything Is Possible slash Evergreen by Will Young, which sold 1.8 million copies in 2002. There you go, just a few fun chart facts before we head deeper into this top five with, at number four, in its fourth week down from two, Turn Me On by Kevin Little. But if you think you're gonna get away from me You better change your mind You're going home You're going home with me tonight Let me hold you Go caress my body You got me going crazy You turn me on Turn me on Let me charm you Go wine order on me You got me going crazy You turn me on Turn me on That puts us in a very exciting position With three songs left Two new entries from Blazing Squad and Kylie, and last week's number one, Fat Man Scoop's Be Faithful. But the UK record buying public is not being faithful to Fat Man Scoop. They have cheated on him with two other acts because he is at number three this week in his third week. All the good looking women sing along. I can't hear us with a new entry this week. Could it be Kylie Minogue Slow or Flip Reverse by Blazing Squad? Well, let's count down the top 10 find out who this week's number one is. At 10, new entry, Sexed Up, Robbie Williams. At 9, Pink, Trouble. At 8, Hole in the Head by Sugar Babes. At 7, Guilty by Blue. At 6, If You Come to Me, Atomic Kitten. 5, Where's the Love, Black Eyed Peas. 4, Turn Me On, Kevin Little. That's not me telling Kevin Little to Turn me on. That's just the name of the song. Yeah, you knew that. Okay, fine. At three, Fat Man Scoop and the Crooklyn Clan with Be Faithful. And at two, a new entry for X Factor Style Dramatic Pause. Blazing Squad, Flip Reverse, which means that Kylie is at number one with Slow. We will talk to her about her very soon, but first, let's delve into everyone's favourite Scally 12 bunch, Flip Reverse by Blazing Squad. A 
among the fantastic journalism, yes really, that Flip Reverse by Blazing Squad generated was an amazing Vice roundtable after Marcel from Blazing Squad was on Love Island. In this song, writer Hannah Ewens gets to the heart of what makes this song so great. She says, This song is not for or about real sex havers. It is 13-year-old boys claiming to have fingered someone from France on their family holiday at Pontins. It is girls crimping their hair and taking their first shot at dancing in platform shoes like a camel on a bouncy castle, only for some shithead named Gareth to call them fridge. It is an erection on a bus to a place of historic interest. Still goes hard, though. Joel Gobi, meanwhile, sees this as the beginning of anal sex discourse in modern life. He calls it the greatest song about consensual bumming. And he says, in many ways, Blazing Squad singing about bumming really ushered in the end of an era. Talking of things that no longer have any relevance in 2023, Shane Ritchie gave this four stars in Smash Hits, saying, I like this and it keeps them off the streets, doesn't it? It's got a pretty good bass line too. Anything they do is fine by me means my car stereo is safe. And Smash Hits said, if Nelly came from Chingford, this is the music he'd make. An amazing new tune. Smash Hits, of course, huge supporters of Blazing Squad so much. They were mentioned so often in the magazine. And even other artists mentioned them in Smash Hits. When Busted were asked, have you ever played Joke on a Celeb? He's James from Busted said, we have, we have been inspired by Blazing Squad. They have no shame. I couldn't believe Flavor tried to crash Beyonce's trailer at Party in the Park this year. Other bad behaviour they got into at the time? Apparently Kenzie once threw a minibar out of a hotel window and Spikey left vomit on the floor of his hotel room for the maids to clear up. Also at the time, on Kiss FM, they released their diss track to David Snedden. Not sure it's made it onto the internet, but the lyrics ran as follows. David Snedden, you're about to feel the Armageddon. David Snedden, you're only fit for sucking dick. What do you reckon? Say so you want a bit. What do you reckon? Savage poetry there. What else were they up to at this point? Rocky B says that Flavor once went to the toilet at a show and got locked in. He was trapped in there for about 20 minutes and was banging on the door shouting for help and he ended up being rescued by Alicia Mystique. We can only dream of being rescued from the toilet by Alicia Dixon. The real Blazing Squad content we have to do today is very important. In Smash Hits, their summer quiz special, they have a quiz that lets you determine who's your blazing boy, in which you answer a series of questions and it reveals to you who is your dream Blazing Squad member. Now, I will put this onto the Twitter, at 2000s Chart Show, so you can play along, but I'm going to play right here, right now, and reveal to you the intimate details of which Blazing Squad member Smash Hits says is right for me. So, question one, do you have a favourite member of Blazing? I'm going to say no. Do you like modest fellas? Yes. Are you up for a serious relationship? Yes. Would you prefer a boy with nut muscles? No. And do you like peanuts? Yes. So there, I can now reveal my dream member of Blazing Squad is Melody, who is apparently game for a laugh, but as smooth as silk. Lucky me. Let's see what he's up to now, shall we? Apparently he almost went on Love Island, but his wife told him not to. Amazing that. So it seems he reveals that actually basically when Marcel from Blazing Squad went on Love Island, they approached the entire band which is a fun little fact, but I hope his wife is ready to share him with me because Smash Hits has decreed that I must marry him. So I can be there to wipe his tears at only getting to number two this week behind the Queen, Kylie Minogue, with Slow. Kylie Minogue getting the 963rd UK number one. Her previous number ones at this point, I Should Be So Lucky, January 1988, especially for you, December 88, Hand on Your Heart, May 1989, Tears on My Pillow, January 1990, then a 10-year gap before her next number one, which was spinning around in July 2002, and then her last number one at this point, can't go out of my head, September 2001. Slow, therefore, her seventh and at this point final number one single. To get to number one, she sold 43,291 singles, so not a great week for sales, though not the lowest week at number one. That had been 
Daniel Bedingfield, who got to number one in August with 36,500 copies. But overall, Slow at this point was the lowest selling number one single of all time, which is rude because it's an absolutely incredible song that if any song was meant to sell a million copies this year, it should have been this one. Shane Ritchie certainly agreed. He gave it five stars saying, this is brilliant. It's got number one written all over it. I love Kylie. I did the Des O'Connor show with her once. I had to sit her in a high chair and cut up her food for her, but she was lovely. Haha, <laughs> because she's short. That's really funny, Shane. As we mentioned earlier, this song was written by Emiliana Torini, who also sang Gollum's song in the film The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. was light, now darkness falls, where once was love. You might think there's not much to link Gollum and Kylie, but they are actually the same height. I don't know if you knew that. Apparently, according to an interview with The New Yorker, Torini and her producer Dan Carey wrote slow in an hour and then went to the pub and got drunk, which is how I like to celebrate writing pop masterpieces. Great news for Kylie getting another number one, although she may not be feeling a in much of a celebratory mood at this point. This was the peak of her stalker drama at the time. She had received 700 letters from a stalker in 2003. And in fact, Kylie has quite a long and disturbing history of stalkers. As recently as 2019, she had to call the police after a stalker waited outside her house and kept ringing the bell for hours on end. So that's very much the dark side of fame, even if we can celebrate the great parts of it, such as being the one to release Slow, which not only do I think it's Kylie's best song, and she actually agrees with me, asked for her 25th anniversary of her career what her favourite song was. She picked this one, and not only in my opinion is it her greatest song, but it's also her greatest video, filmed in a Barcelona swimming pool featuring much synchronised dancing on towels. And I think, truly, that the bit in the song where it goes close on her and she says, read my body language, and covers her eyes with her arm is such a simple move and yet it is the absolutely cuntiest thing that any pop star has ever done and where better to end this look back at the charts 20 years ago than kylie being cunty so i hope you spend the next week embracing the inner kylie in you next time you're on a towel just try dancing on it but until then please recommend this show to any pop maniacs you know and there's a lot of you out there i've seen your mighty hoopla comments so join the party and join us at twitter at 2000 chart show at instagram at the 2000 chart show email us the 2000 chart show at gmail.com and bask in the glory of slow by kylie minogue this week's number one 20 years ago Have a great week.